0: we mm-hmm. Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is an up-and-comer in the Las Vegas magic scene. She runs one of the hottest underground shows in Las Vegas and pulls in some of the biggest stars in the magic world to perform with her. Stacy Stardust is my guest. We'll discuss her path to self-produced shows and how she's bootstrapping her show to the next level. Nicola Capo stops by the show to discuss the feature product of the week from Alexander Scott. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians have a serious think about the literature they would love to be lost at sea with. This week, The Unrecognized. Underground legend Ron Bowers' star student Tom Gaddis is in the hot seat. Tom Gaddis joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Tom Gaddis, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's suppose you wash up on a desert island with one magic book, and it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart in the wind, and the rain, and the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book?
1: Sack sleight of hand.
0: Sax sleight of hand.
1: Sax sleight of hand.
0: This is A- S-A-C-H apostrophe S. sax sleight of hand. Is this uh, the same sax that we get the wonderful dye routine from?
1: Yes. It, that that trick is actually in sax sleight of hand, but you have to get the right edition. So it would have to be the Fleming edition. Okay. Number one. But that is also where you meet Mr. Interference.
0: What is Mister Interference? I, so I have to say this is this is rare for me on this this segment. Normally, people name a book and I've read it or it's on my shelf. Sack's sleight of hand is not either. Although I do Sack's dice routine, this is the one where you uh, the the as you turn the dice backwards and forwards, the the number of spots change on either side. Uh, Bob Sheets, it's the rules. It made uh, mm-hmm. made this routine very popular. But tell me a little bit more about this book.
1: So it's an old book. It's a really old book, and I actually didn't think much of it myself. It's just one of those kind of old magic books. Like, I sort of started to read it. I really didn't get what it was doing. And then, funny enough, because we're going to be talking about Ron Bauer, mm-hmm. uh, a mentor of mine, he, he was like, you need to go back and reread that book and pay attention to really what Sachs is sl- saying. And Sachs was a, he was a professional writer at the time. He wrote, mm-hmm. like, sports stuff. But when in this book, he was also an amateur magician. But he's extremely funny. Yeah. Like he talks about going to do, like he would be at a party to do a trick and Mr. Interference would pop up. <laughs> you know, the guy who's trying to like ruin the trick and expose how it's done. I mean, oh. I'm, I'm sure none of the magicians listening have ever ran into Mr. Interference. No.
0: Well, yeah. I, you know, I thought you were about to tell me about a wonderful trick, but no, th- no. I, I, it's, it's a guide on how to deal with, uh, the hecklers.
1: Well, but- it's not really a guy, but he talks about him in relation to why, you know, the things we do as in technique and the presentations, the way we present stuff, why it needs to be done a certain way because you can cut that person off, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can can still come out triumphant even though the person tries to be Mr. Interference. But Mm -hmm. outside of that, there's just a lot of really great stuff in there about technique and mm-hmm. things like that.
0: What are some of the tricks that you find yourself coming back to over and over again in this book? Because I asked you this question and then you immediately had it like right on the tip of your tongue. There was no, yeah. oh, hemming and <laughs> hawing the way we usually like. We're, listeners to this segment are used to people like having no idea what they mean and then f- focusing in on a book. But you were like, no, this is it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I don't do any tricks from sax line of hand. Mm-hmm. I don't do a yeah. single trick from there. But it is when I when I read it and, you know, really pay attention to kind of like what he's talking about and how he talks about slight, especially how sleight of hand should look and what you're trying to do and things like that. It just it always makes me feel good when I read it. Mm-hmm. Right. I always feel like I, I can be better at what I'm doing. And so even though I don't do any tricks from there. I do apply some of that stuff to lots of other things.
0: Sounds fantastic. Well, uh, Tom, I know we're, if you hear anything in the background, folks, it's because we're getting ready for Tom's show tonight. We're so excited about it. We still had to talk. uh, We still wanted to talk to him. Tom Gaddis, thanks so much for joining us here on Desert Island Magic Books. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Tom Gaddis for joining me on the show. Now on to the main event. I try and keep my ear to the ground about up and coming performers. And lately, the internet has been abuzz with a young woman based on Las Vegas who is producing monster shows featuring some of the biggest names in magic. Her name is Stacey Stardust. She's been featured on the tables at the Chicago Magic Lounge and is making a name for herself across the country. Given my background in stand-up comedy, where most of these underground shows come from, I was fascinated to see someone doing something similar in magic in the glittery city of Las Vegas. I decided to reach out to her and find out more about her show, and now you get to join our conversation. Stacy Stardust, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm thrilled to talk to you because I see you all over social media, but most importantly, I keep seeing you advertising the Stacey Stardust's Secret Circus, and you have some pretty big names on that show.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh. Um, yeah, I've been very blessed with the amount of talent that I've had so far in my show. It's It's been really fun to produce, and uh, yeah, I've just been very blessed to have such a fun, amazing show and to have people be a part of it.
0: So I actually had multiple friends this week headed out to Vegas, and I was like, I keep seeing this show, and I know the people on it are awesome. Maybe you guys should check it out. Uh, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the show, where it came from, and how you've – because, I mean, is this the first show like this you've produced, Circus Open Mic?
2: It's my first time producing a show, correct? My first time hosting a show, and before I had my own show, Secret Circus, I was headlining a comedy club show once a week. So they would do comedy, and then I would headline with magic, which mm-hmm. was really fun. Which so I kind of which comedy
0: cl- which comedy club was that?
2: Uh, it, it's not a comedy club. It was at this really ghetto nightclub. Um, <laughs> it's like off a of Decatur. It's near in Vegas, where it's called Meadows Mall, but we call it Ghetto's Mall. Uh, Is it, this place called? Oh gosh, I'm like bad mouthing them right now. Um, it's always great to start somewhere. Uh, it, it's a lovely venue called the Patio.
0: Okay, and so yeah. you were so you were headlining at this this comedy show for a while, and I mean, so this is sort of like an underground DIY show because I know in the comedy community these sort of DIY bootstrap shows are a lot more common. We're starting to see more and more of them in magic, and I think that's why I'm so fascinated by yours. Is that not only is it doing well, but it's attracting major talent?
2: Yeah, uh, I definitely felt like there was something like this missing in Vegas. So the reason I started and created this show was um, I I wanted to build my full 45-minute, hour-long dream show. And in order to build a show, you have to build the acts, one act at a time, and make them great. And you need to get flight time. You need to get stage time. But how are you going to get stage time if you don't have a show and you don't have a stage? And so there's this kind of conundrum of there's no place to practice to get good so there's no way to get good mm-hmm. and you know we're in Las Vegas there's Cirque de Soleil some of the best shows in the world some of the best talent in the world but there's no room or space for these people to be able to try out new things and to get good video of their acts and so I thought what if I created this opportunity not only for myself to build and create my show but have that same opportunity for the rest of the community. So every show, uh, I try out new acts and myself, and I try new things, and I give other people the opportunity to do the same. And I also polish some acts that I've done in the past. And so it's just been this great experience of, you know, I like I said, I'd never produced a show. I'd never hosted a show, and it was very new to stage. But I did have a big in in the community. I've always been very involved in the circus community in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Before I got into magic, I used to host a circus meetup once a week. So it started, I used to live in New York before I was in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I really got into was hula hooping. And I went to this one hula hoop meetup in Central Park, met so many amazing people. The community was just so inviting and vibrant and lovely. And I'm like, oh, why is this only one meetup? Like, I want to see these people again. I want to get better at hooping. I want to be a part of this. And I started just hosting a meetup once a week in Washington Square Park in New York. And it became so big that it kind of outgrew Washington Square. And I had to move it. (laughs) To uh, what uh, what did I say? Uh, gosh, maybe we could edit this part out. No, that's fine. Um, uh, it's so other park. It outcro Washington
0: Square Park and had to just move to a large. I mean Washington Square Park. Park,
2: There we go, Central Park. Washington Square
0: Park is not small. So having to move your meetup to to Central Park is incredible. I mean to to get build something that is enormous.
2: Yeah, it was great. And then it built from just hula hoopers to all circus because I, I got into juggling and then I got into um, acro yoga, which is like the intro to partner acrobats. Mm-hmm. And I just really got into all of these things. And then I moved to, to Vegas. And kind of how I transitioned from circus into magic was uh, I was pretty new to roller skating. And one of my friends wanted to go to the skate park. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And there's these giant bowls. And I'm like, all right, I was dropping in and it was great. And then (laughs) I was just kind of going down backwards in one of the bowls and really fast. And I knew how to brake going forwards, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to brake going backwards. So I just braked like I normally would, getting – I had way too much speed. Yeah. My foot and body, like – braked, but the rest of my body, the momentum, the inertia kept going and my ankle just snapped (laughs) and my foot started to swell like the size of a basketball. I had to take my skate off. I couldn't walk and I was out for a couple of months. I, I couldn't drive. It was my right foot. So, um, I'm like, I'm very high energy. I love, you know, all of the movement arts and circus. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't do what I love. I'm just stuck here at home. But because I had been a little bit involved in the community if Circus, I met some magicians through the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my friends, he's also a juggler, but he does magic as well. And I just hit him up. I'm like, hey, my leg's broke. I'm stuck at home. Would you teach me some magic? Yeah. And, yeah, he came over, taught me some cool card tricks, and I just sat and fidgeted with the cars and played. I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And then I would practice for my roommates. And then my legs started to heal. And I'm like, this is really fun. So this spin, um, basically, I got into magic like right before the government shut down, which was kind of wild. Okay. Um, and then I would just go down to Fremont Street. So it's like downtown Vegas, the, yeah. the old strip where they have lots of street performers and I would go down there and perform magic and I got really good and it was, it was a lot of fun. It's so
0: (laughs) (laughs) performing on, on Fremont street sorted started to like catapult you towards wanting to sort of move inside and, uh, and change into a uh, uh, not a street act, but, but challenge yourself in other ways is, is sort of kind of where that was going.
2: Um, well, Fremont is brutal. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. It's kind of like they say in New York if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, if you can make it as a street performer on Fremont Street, you can make it anywhere. Especially with magic, because it's a bunch of talking. You're not just dancing and doing a thing. I mean, there are some acts that you can do with just music. Yeah. But, you know, most magic performances on the street involve audience participation and you have to grab that crowd and keep their energy, keep them entertained through the whole thing and then ask them for tips afterwards. Getting people to stop when on Fremont Street is wild because they have these casinos blasting music and they're watching through the cameras. If they see you start to build a crowd, you can hear the music get turned up. Wow. Yeah. They hate street performers.
0: If if then, uh, our listeners have never been to Fremont Street, it is okay. an assault <laughs> of the senses. I was in Vegas not too long ago and took a friend of mine to Fremont Street for the very first time to see the LED uh, ceiling and experience sort of the outdoor AC and the street performers and just the general chaos of it all. And I, I didn't even occur to me that the casinos might continue like pump the music even louder if you were drawing a crowd. That is absolute insanity
2: and then there's three stages with live bands yes and then you've got everybody like here take my flyer come see my show so when you're like hey want to see some magic people are like get away from me
0: it, it sensory so over, i almost like, yeah. gave
2: up on magic because of fremont really? street really I'm like you know what this isn't for me i'd be like oh hey let me show you a card trick and they're like i just want to see your tits, and i'm like but i work so hard learning magic It was really sad. And then I went to uh, Seattle, Washington, Mm -hmm. and one of my friends was out there street performing. He's like, oh, do you want to do a set? I'm like, sure. I got a couple things with me. Mm -hmm. As soon as I started like putting my stuff on his table, people were surrounding me. They're like, are you about to do magic? Are you a magician? Oh, let's see the magic show. Oh, that's so cool. I'm like, what is this energy? Oh my gosh, wow, it's really cool being a magician. <laughs> and then I went to the bars with one of my friends and I was doing some magic for some people. And they're like, oh my God, you're the best magician I've ever seen. You got to see this. And before I knew it, everyone in the bar was surrounding our table, like, let's buy our drinks. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, in Vegas, you tell somebody, oh yeah, I'm a magician. They're like, oh cool, yeah, I have a few friends who are magicians. And that's the end of the conversation. They don't care. They're not excited to see the magic. You're just another one of the magicians.
0: It sounds like putting yourself through the gauntlet that is Fremont Street helped you to really hone in on what it was that you could do to really capture an audience's attention and hold that attention despite the chaos around you.
2: Oh gosh, yeah. the skills that I learned on Fremont are invaluable.
0: Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Thought Tune from Scott Alexander. Nick Lacopo joined joining via Zoom to discuss this incredibly charming mentalism effect. Nick, you know, a lot of people are getting back into cartoon by Dan Harlan, but uh, one that I wanted to talk about this week, our featured product is by uh, the Scott Alexander. This is Thought Tune. Thought Tune. People slept on Thought Tune, man. This is such a good... Like this is a pretty crazy mentalism effect.
3: So we all know Dan in cartoon and then Scott Alexander uh, also in the same creative powerhouse level as Dan, they both think very, I mean, they're, they were good friends and they got together to put together a, uh, a version of cartoon that Scott really enjoys doing. And what, what it is, is you have this, like, it's not, not a playing card trick, right? It's like a stack of white, You got like a stack of like Paper. it's almost like they're it's like a flip
0: book it's like a little yeah. flip book that you have that you can show like a guy who's like a l- the little stick man and he's got yeah, a little easel and he's uh, on
3: there he's got an easel but yeah. they you ask them to name I mean anything they, they can they can name anything yeah tree house car whatever and the stick man uh draws on the easel and then when you get down to the end of the flip book it's revealed that. On the like, he turns the easel around, and and when he turns it around, it says "car" or whatever the spectator said. It's such a clever effect, and it's
0: it's it takes, it takes that whole cartoon revelation premise in such a wild new direction that you can really do. It takes all of the charming stuff from cartoon and applies it to what is essentially an incredibly powerful prediction effect.
3: Yeah, one of the one of the reasons I I do like it a lot is because it's not a card trick. Yeah, um, it, you can kind of mix it into your set, so you don't have to do like you know sometimes cartoon can be weird to like put in your set of cards, mm-hmm. right? Because you like obviously have to take a different deck out of your, out of your case or out of your pocket. But with this, it's it's completely different prop. So it's very cool. Thought Tune by Scott Alexander and Dan Harlan. Check it out. That
0: was Thought Tune by Scott Alexander, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the spectacular listeners to our show receive 25% off the feature product of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is ANIMATE. That's Animate, A-N-I-M-A-T-E, for 25% off Thought Tune by Scott Alexander. That code is only good for Thought Tune and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Stacy Stardust.
2: Oh gosh, yeah. the skills that I learned on Fremont are invaluable. Especially because a lot of the gigs that I get out here are like bachelor parties and, you know, things where people are, you know, happy hours, where people are extremely drunk and being able to draw everybody's attention in and be fast paced and just be able to deal with drink spilling and people fumbling and know who not to ask to help out and who like, yeah, it was definitely a great training ground for sure.
0: What's been the biggest surprise for you in starting to host and produce your own show? Because there's, it's one thing building your own, your own act, but then Mm -hmm. having to produce a show with a number of other people and different, is your show monthly or weekly?
2: Uh, I was doing it, uh, bi-monthly. So I was doing it every okay. other week. Gotcha. I did that for half a year for mm-hmm. six months and then I got burnt out and now it's once a month.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but even producing a monthly show is still a lot of work. Uh, uh, and especially cause it sounds like it's kind of all on you, the marketing, the, the booking, the promoting everything. What was the biggest, yes. surpri- what was the biggest surprise when you started uh, producing this on a regular basis?
2: Oh, um, I mean, it's just the hardest I've ever worked on anything in my entire life. Because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> just being a magician, there's so many roles that you have to fill. But in my show, I have one stagehand mm-hmm. and one audio guy, and that's it. Wow. So um, I find all the talent. Mm-hmm. And then once I find all the talent, I have to get everybody's headshots, and then I make the flyers. And then uh, I do all the promoting. I make the Facebook page, the Eventbrite page, Instagram. I'm a social media marketer. I'm a graphic design artist. Mm-hmm. I'm a host. So, you know, as a host, I, I have everybody write out an intro. Mm-hmm. And then I memorize that intro. Um, and my show is two hours long. So it's it's a lot of different acts and a lot of different talents. So it's just getting so many things together. And then, you know, once I have their headshots, I have to get their music. Mm-hmm. And my audio guy needs everybody's music three days before the show. So I have to get everybody's music in MP3, for, MP3 format uh, in the set list order of how everybody's going to be in the show, numbered and named. And I have to get that to my audio guy. And so it's just, there's so much to it. And then, you know, there's people who cancel day up. There's people who cancel the day beforehand. So then it's like, that's the hardest part. It's just like scrambling to find, you know, like my last show, Mm -hmm. five people canceled the day before. So I had to find five new acts. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what, I haven't, I performed in a while. Okay, shoot, (laughs) I'll add this in. Like, I'll just add some old things into my set list and fill up more time and make it happen.
0: If somebody, Um, if somebody were like in another city, because like, I know we have a lot of listeners who are not in like Vegas or New York or Los Angeles or Chicago, where there are sort of ready-made shows who are, I mean, I think, I, I feel like I get a message every other week from somebody asking me like, hey, how can I start my own show? Like, what, what is advice that you wish you had gotten before you started your own show to, to learn all of these skills?
2: Hmm. I mean, I think the hardest part is you could have the best show in the world, but if Mm -hmm. nobody knows about it or if you don't market it well, Mm -hmm. nobody's going to come. And I think the best thing is knowing how to market Mm -hmm. and to be able to market. There's so much to it. Like for example, Uh, a lot of my marketing I do on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And for that, you know, if you're not paying for marketing, which I have not paid for marketing, um, you have to schedule your post at the highest peak time of the day when people are watching. So you have to kind of know the algorithm of social media. You have to Follow, uh, you know, posting consistently for social media to show your stuff. And you can't just keep posting an ad Mm -hmm. because Facebook and Instagram knows ads. When they see a certain amount of text, they know it's an ad. So they're not going to show a lot of people. Only a few people are going to see it. Oh. So you can't just keep posting an ad. And also, if you keep just marketing your show, people are going to stop watching and liking your content because they're going to get annoyed. They'll be like, "Ugh, there's her show again. All she does yeah. is post about her show. So you have to pop in there and do something fun or like do something else so that people will engage with you because engagement's huge on social media. So you have to post stuff that people will actually like and comment on. And not only do you have to post stuff, but you have to engage back. So once they comment on it, you have to say, oh, thanks for the comment. Oh, thanks, Sally. Yeah, thanks, buddy. And you have to like it. And so you have to have so much. I spend so much time on social media marketing. I spend more time on marketing than I do working on my acts or putting the show together. It's, it's pretty wild.
0: You know, I think it's like there's this sort of like, strange view that many people have that like once you become a full-time professional performer that you're like you're just working on your show and making that better but it's so I wish. it's so much <laughs> would yeah. be so great <laughs> it's so much these little it's like these things that you're talking about right here that are or how all of these underground shows survive and how performers get so much better and grow their career and it sounds like something that's very simple but it is like time consuming and something you have to keep grinding at to get there
2: And networking is huge. That's another thing. It's like you have to actually go out there and go to parties and tell people about your event. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're not going to other people's events, they're not going to want to come to your events. You have to also support your friends and meet new friends and talk about it. Um, Like one thing I do for my show is every first Friday of the month, there's something in the arts district here in Vegas called First Friday but it's all locals, which is perfect, because that's my market. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a big casino on the strip, I'm not competing with every other magic show at every other Cirque du Soleil show. Um, I have my own little, you know, local show. So I go to First Friday and I'll just street perform, do a little bit of magic for people, uh, and then just hand them a flyer and tell them about the show. So, you know, getting out there and networking is also huge, huge for being successful.
0: I I I love it. Uh, when I was doing a lot of sketch comedy and a lot of improv comedy here in Columbus, we had the same thing where we would spend a lot of time in the arts district here in Columbus, passing out flyers. Stacy, we're we're about out of time. Can you please tell people where they can find out more about you and when they're in Vegas? When, you know how they can find out more about Secret Circus so they can come see and support your show.
2: Absolutely. So I'm on all platforms. It's Stacy Stardust, and Stacy is spelt with an E Y S T A C E Y Stardust. And my show is Secret Circus, and it can be found at Secret Circus Vegas on all platforms.
0: Thank you so much for joining us here in the podcast. And when we're out in Vegas for Magic Live, I hope that there's a secret secret circus going on that we can pop in and check out.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Eric.
0: Thank you. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Stacey Stardust for joining me on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Hey, before I go, I wanted to let you know we opened a magic shop. That's right, a real live brick and mortar magic shop. If you ever wanted to walk into instead of log on to the Penguin Magic Shop, you now can in Columbus, Ohio. Stop by the P3 Magic Theater. You'll meet some of the Penguin Magic crew, see some of the latest and greatest tricks. You can even join our magic club. We have an IBM ring that meets right inside the P3 Magic Theater concealed deep inside of our magic shop. That's IBM Ring 7. Come join us for a magic meeting. We had a great one last night. As always, we're a weekly podcast. you be here so Be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you're sharing pictures of being inside your favorite local brick-and-mortar magic shop on. If you want to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you're going to have to send me a DM to cure me of the jet lag because I am wiped. I've been on the road a bunch and I can't remember what a good night's sleep feels like, but... If the secret to counting sheep isn't your bailiwick, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice,
3: perform.